Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Today, my guest is Kitty Adams from Adopt-A-Charger. Uh, welcome, Kitty. Ha- happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Stuart, for asking me. It's like a privilege to be interviewed by one of my heroes. Oh, um, yeah, you are a angel as far as uh, what we've been doing here. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm thrilled to have you on. So um, I guess for those few of the folks out there that don't know, um, can you just say a little bit about what Adopt-A-Charger is? Well, Adopt-A-Charger is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that I started back in 2011 with two of my friends that are well-known in the EV community, Mark Geller and Paul Scott, two people that helped to found Plug-In America. And basically it grew our advocacy for electric cars. We knew that, you know, in order for people to have the confidence to buy the cars, they needed to see EV charging stations at places they like to go at state parks, national parks, museums, beaches, medical centers. The The challenge is that, you know, when I was reaching out to all these people back in the day about installing EV charging, none of the organizations had, you know, a particular point person for EV. They, you know, maybe it was a facilities manager that was tasked with making these decisions and they did not have a budget line item to afford to put the equipment in. You know, the California state parks was, has been facing budget shortfalls and was actually at that time looking at the possibility of having to close some of those park units. So, you know, it was essential to go out there and help find the money to make it happen and also kind of give them some guidance because these, locations are difficult to commercialize. You know, you're not in a metropolitan area where they there's the potential for the EV charging station to get used really regularly. You know, some of these parks are in remote locations. They're very seasonal. They're only open four days a week. So it makes it really hard for them to overcome all the expenses that are associated with networking and payment authentication and the increased need for maintenance when you add that type of complexity. Right. Right. And you mentioned California. So uh, you are you live in California and and, uh, Adopt a Charger is is based out of California. Um, What was the original um, sort of motivation? Uh, I've heard you talking a lot about parks. Uh, Was it the to get chargers at parks? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I sometimes kind of joke that it was pure selfishness because I wanted EV charging stations at the places I like to go as an EV driver and specifically Leo Carrillo State Beach. You know, at that time, it's 40 miles from my house. So, you know, in order for me to go round trip zoo emission, I have to have an EV charging station on the other side. So, um, and also too, you know, I'm, I'm really looking at it as an EV advocate. I know that when people see EV charging stations at these iconic destinations and they get to engage in conversation with the EV drivers, I'm winning. You know, the EV drivers are actually the best salespeople for the new technology. 
they're getting better, but there's still a disconnect when it comes to selling EVs at car dealerships. So it's really, really important that we get people engaged with people that can actually answer their questions. Yeah. And and you said 2011. So what were you driving back in 2011? I had just sold my Toyota RAV4 EV. I had a a 2000 RAV4 EV, which actually is still on the road. Somebody owns it up in Oregon and uh, that car is still still um, advocating (laughs) for electric transportation. And then I, I moved out of my house and I moved into a like an older rental home that didn't have adequate panel capacity. So I had to sell the RAV and I drove um, a Mazda for a little while. And boy, was that like a reminder of the challenges of driving an internal combustion engine. You know, I would save money all year to take my kids on vacation and then boom, you get that hit with that huge car repair for a thousand dollars that wipes right. you out. <laughs> so right. yeah, that really connected me with the struggle. And then for a little, for six months, I drove a miles electric vehicle, which is a neighborhood electric vehicle. Oh, okay. And it had its limitations. I mean, being in Los Angeles and getting around when you can only drive 25 miles per hour is not that easy. Oh, yeah. But I, but I knew, you know, I had my sights on the 2012 volt. I knew it was coming. I just had to have that, you know, in between year with the Mazda and the right. neighborhood electric vehicle. And then I got my 2012 Chevy volt with a V the plug-in right. hybrid. Right. And I have to say like, that was an awesome car and I would still be driving it today. It's just that it was one of those situations where I was in a lease and it was going to be really expensive to buy out that lease, especially when there was other cars and other lease deals available in California. So after three years of driving the plug-in hybrid, I got a Chevy Spark EV, which was a compliance car only available, I think, in California. But it was kind of the you know the precursor to the Chevy Bolt with the B. Right. And that vehicle was all electric. It had about 86 miles range on a good day. And again, it connected me with the struggle of lack of charging infrastructure or getting exposed to uh, expensive charging stations or broken charging stations. So it really fortified what I was doing with Adopt a Charger. And then if I can continue the car story after the the, the Spark EV lease was up again, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I need, I need a new car and nothing really out there was intriguing to me or affordable. So I went back to the Toyota RAV4 EV and my friend Jim Montgomery, who had a 2002 RAV, let me lease it for, I leased that car for about eight months until I could find what my next car was going to be. After that eight months, I bought a BMW i3 with the range extender. Right. And it was nice because, you know, I had like the Chevy Spark 80 miles of range but I also had this little gas generator, you know, that I could uh, maybe get another 20 miles out of. So the, you know, the idea is it can get you to, uh, you know, a gas station or a charging station or something like that if you're low, but it really wasn't a great car for road tripping because, you know, you you only have 80 miles of range and you only have 20 miles of gas. So it makes it difficult. And right now, so I just sold that car, you know, during COVID, I was looking to uh, eliminate some expenses. And now I'm sharing a car with my husband who has a Tesla Model X. 
Ooh, nice. Oh yeah, I'm I'm pretty much yeah. ruined for everything right now. <laughs> I have to say, it's it's yeah. It to to get an insider's view of how Tesla does charging infrastructure is really eye opening, and right. I hope all the legacy automakers can, um, you know, take some kind of take a page out of their playbook. When I hear that Rivian is starting their own uh, network for fast charging, right? I get it. You know, I mean, if I was an automaker, I wouldn't want to rely on Electrify America right now. You know, I mean, if, or if even uh, EVgo has its critics and definitely Green Lots on, on Twitter and on the Facebook owners group. So um, I think if I was going to, well, I don't know, if I was going to buy something right now, it would be from an automaker that stands behind their network it's it's just so compelling because uh just today um i found out that uh, louisville they've just uh broken ground on their tesla's third supercharger station just in louisville um you know we have a bunch out just in kentucky um but you know i remember when the first one went in in louisville and now there's going to be three which is wonderful and mind-boggling and and you would think that people that do their homework would um that that's a big part of it if if you're ever planning on going on trips or or taking your vehicle a little bit further out yeah well i would say that the the reason that you have those three superchargers is a direct result of the advocacy work of Evolve Kentucky. I have oh, to give you guys you. a sh- huge shout out. <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 and I know your owners, a lot of them have Teslas. And I yeah. also know that, you know, there's not a lot of support by the automakers for electrification in right. in Louisville. Like, I mean, how hard was it to get your Nissan Leaf? You right. know, and, and can you see one on the lot, dealer lot today? So um, I think that, you know, there's a couple things that Tesla does right, besides just providing the infrastructure um, and not waiting for somebody else to come to places like Kentucky. They're also really good at engaging with the owners. It's painful, actually, to read these um, road trip stories of people in their Chevy Bolt. Meanwhile, on the oh, other yeah. side, there's like a huge uh, Tesla rally in Sturgis, South Dakota. Right. Those right. people are coming from all over the country and getting to the middle of nowhere. And that Chevy Bolt can't even drive from LA to San Francisco. So, well, yeah, the Tesla folks here in Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, you know, coal country, uh, same kind of thing. It's like this rural um, route that people are just driving. It's it's gorgeous. Um, and uh, once a year, they're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to kind of take a, a bit of a downer kind of detour, but this just kind of reminds me, like you're saying how, you know, Tesla and EV advocates are doing things right. Um, I was just interviewed for the TV news the other day and just was kind of going on and on and on. And right before they were interviewing me, they, they stopped at a local I think it was a Ford dealership because they said they saw the new Mach-E and it must have been, you know, a manager or somebody high up that they were talking to because they're the TV news. They, you know, they're going to get the right source. And the question that was posed to me was this person at the car dealership basically said, oh, well, you know, it's still an unproven technology. You know, these battery packs, we don't know how long they're going to last. And meanwhile, like smoke is coming out of my ears while I'm listening to, you know, this uh, journalist saying this to me and i'm like you know it's just that's what we deal with a lot you know we deal with this misinformation people that aren't don't know what they're talking about or if i'm going to 
kind of go a little further and, and think about it more, you know, these car dealerships make a lot of money on service. So yeah, it's very possible that they're sending this misinformation out on purpose because they'd rather sell a Ford Focus that they know how to sell and mm -hmm. uh, that is easy to sell and that they know that they're going to have an income stream coming in down the line. So, yeah, it's kind of an uphill <laughs> battle sometimes. And I don't know, maybe more so here than in California. Uh, you know, maybe you all have gotten the memo more. I don't know how the, the car dealerships are. Uh, well, I would are, say one of know. the one of the important things is that person going to the dealership, uber educated about EVs, you know, right. because when they get there, they're not going to find out anything about incentives or carpool stickers or, you know, they, they, like you said, they have very minimal knowledge about EV programs and how to sell EVs. So it, again, it's up to us drivers. And I have to say, it's not much better in California, okay. um, but it is you know, there, there's more inventory in California, which is helpful. You know, California is a ZEV state, zero emission, zero emission vehicle state. Right. So all the automakers are required to sell a certain percentage to be able to do business here in California. So we, that's why most of the cars get sent to places like California. Right. And, um, it is helpful. I have to say that one thing that we have that is a huge incentive is the state rebate too. I don't think you guys have that. No, we so, don't. <laughs> yeah. You've got the, and, and it's a killer because you guys have cheap electricity, right? Yes. We have, I think it's seven to 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Right. Yeah. Well, so. you know what? I, let's steer the conversation back to what is working. Yes. yes. <laughs> Adopt it. a charger, evolve Kentucky. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. If for anybody that's listening to this podcast that doesn't already know, Evolve Kentucky has enabled 30 Adopt a Charger locations between Kentucky and Indiana. And it's it's a huge feat. I mean, yeah. I, I'm like, I bow before your greatness. I don't know how <laughs> you do it. And, um, you know, all I want to do actually is enable people like you, I mean, literally you to, to continue to do what you're doing. You know, for me working here in California, sometimes it's frustrating and I'm, I, you know, banging my head against the wall, trying to get, you know, policymakers to understand the role of free charging. You know, here there's a huge emphasis on requiring networking and you know time of use pricing, right. credit card swipers, ADA accommodations, standard weights and measures, all of these, you know, vehicle to grid, all of that has made charging so expensive. And really they're glorified electrical outlets. If, right. if you look at the plug share map in places like Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana, a lot of those points on the map are actually just RV parks that are offering up NEMA 1450 plugs and, you know, the Tesla drivers are finding them and putting them on yep. the map. And, you know, that's how people are getting, you know, getting to Sturgis, no, <laughs> South that's Dakota right. is, yeah. So um, I want to just go back to like, why do we have to make it any more expensive or any more complicated than it needs to be? And so if I can continue to somehow stimulate people to be part of the solution, Mid-America, Gosh, that's like a dream come true. You know, I was listening to a past podcast that you did with um, my friend Spencer Roden in oh, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just really super amazing how they've been able to get, you know, the 
you know, get the EV drivers together by founding the Electric Auto Association. And we're working to put these charging stations out in, you know, and people are clamoring for it. This is Arkansas. And I have people on a waiting list to get charging stations. So there is an appetite for hosting charging stations at businesses and destinations. It's just, you know, figuring out how you can make it work, especially in an area that, you know, there's not a lot of adoption. These charging stations aren't going to get used very much. Yeah, that's something that is, is really interesting. And it kind of brings me back thinking a few years back we we crowdsourced uh through indiegogo a uh, hour-long documentary um called evolve driving a clean future in coal country and that was a trip in and of itself just you know fundraising for for the documentary um and we we reached our goal we we made the film and and it was received well but it was interesting you know we through crowdsourcing we ended up you know putting like uh, bundles together for perks so people got something if they donated and i remember folks from the different you know uh, the east coast and the west coast especially the west coast saying oh you know we realize that we're a little out of touch you know it's different for you all there in kentucky than it is for us here what can we do to kind of increase adoption to increase awareness to increase education what can we do to help you? Which I thought was really interesting. And we never really kind of moved through that. I mean, I think they were talking about politics and, you know, getting certain political leaders out of office and and throwing some money this way and everything. I, I, that's not, you know, my, my forte. Um, But it does bring up a real question in that, yeah, we're still struggling here. How do we go about kind of making it so that, there is awareness on the coasts that there are folks here that are still very down on the whole EV thing. And and it is happening. I don't want to give the impression that it's not happening. It's happening. But it it's more of a struggle, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if there's some way for folks to kind of come together in one way, maybe a, a very, you know, organized way to yes. kind of come up maybe with a campaign or something. I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. You know, I'll tell you because you are just really um, queuing me up here for what I (laughs) think. (laughs) I think we need to do. I need to enable Stuart. So what I've been working on is trying to get somebody to donate to adopt a charger so that I can have money to pay you to be that person on the other end of the email where people can reach out and, you know, say, how do I get this going? What did you do? And you can offer them guidance. You can point them to maybe their clean cities coalition. You can let them know about a utility program that might work for them. And you talked about the political climate. Yeah. It's amazing how once Biden mm-hmm. got elected, people were like, you turn yeah. all of a sudden we're all EV <laughs> over here. Right. So yeah, we got to get something done quick. And right. Joe Biden has a goal of installing 500,000 EV charging stations. Mm. Guess what my goal is? 500,000 EV charging stations. I want to match Joe Biden. Right. So that's why I need Stuart and I need you to help me enable people. Um, something that's really exciting for me is curbside residential EV charging oh, where God. people yeah. are, you know, a couple <laughs> of people have actually reached out to adopt a charger, Sven Thiessen in California being one and Bruce Westlake in Saline, Michigan also reached out and said, Hey, you know, we installed an EV charger on our curb and we'd like to be part of the adopt a charger program and make it available to people 
in our neighborhood that well, might not have charging. Yeah, I want to interrupt you for a second. Sure. This, this, this is one of those moments where I'm just sort of like gobsmacked. I just feel like here we have this connection. This past week, that's what I was thinking about. I actually brought up this conversation to a councilman, looked online. There's this Berkeley pilot program okay. uh, for just that. And um, yeah. reaching out to the mayor's office here in Louisville about that, because um, that's like the forgotten people. <laughs> you know, we have these Sweet. gorgeous, like historic communities uh, in you know, the Highlands, uh, Clifton area, St. Matthews. Um, I, I'm fortunate. I have I'm, I'm further out towards the suburbs. I have a garage. I have a driveway. But there are a lot of folks that are living in these great communities. But that one thing they don't have is parking. They, they don't yeah. have a driveway. They don't have a driveway. So even if you have a driveway, you could put in a charger on your property. But without a driveway, it really limits you. And there are a lot of people that fall into that category. Oh, yes. And, and that's potentially a huge market that I would love to help people with. Okay. Um, so, yeah. You're hired. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, just yeah. Have to, I just have to find the money. And um, what I thought about doing is, you know, if I can get somebody like a, a benefactor to put up uh, some money as match funding, right. and then I can get the EV community to all contribute to that, we can double, you know, what we're able to do. And and well, we also I mean, need this to, is... yeah, we also need to get the politicians and 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 these communities on board because they have to agree to it. But we're yes, lucky. they like, do. We're lucky here in Louisville. Uh, at least right now, things are going to you know change. We're going to have elections, but at least right now, uh, the mayor here is very pro environment and and all of these things. So I'm hoping that we have an ear and that, you know, we can come up with something, again, using that pilot program. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, you uh, but get something that's attractive. So if it goes into these historic areas, it, it won't be an eyesore. Yeah. And, and you know, get something that can be utilized and, and people can get on board with and be proud of, you know. Exactly. So. Being part of the change, you know, right. being the, being the solution instead of the problem. It's pretty powerful. Right. And, you know, we talk about 500,000. It's a huge number. Yes. But you know what? Hey, you got to you got <laughs> to the moon. Right. Right. So, um. Yeah, but when you think about how many EV drivers there are across the country, a lot of whom are pretty enthusiastic about it, I I think we might have some success here. And also, too, we'll start to get some businesses engaged. Um, I just got a, a restaurant in Arkansas that reached out to me. They knew what I was doing and installing EV charging stations. They saw the ones in Lowen Oak Um right by city hall, there's six charging stations there. Mm -hmm. And they said, how can we be part of this program? Oh, and great. we have billboards along the highway and we'll advertise the EV charging on our billboards, like even better. Yeah. So once we start to just empower people, you know, it, it, it's just how you did it going to the coffee shop and explaining to them that you drive an electric car and that you like to come and buy coffee at their location. And you know, more people like you are out there that will come to buy coffee there because they have that charger. And so, you know, I think just having those like down home person to person conversations is maybe sometimes easier than like trying to build out the Electrify America network across the right. country, you know, so. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, overall, you know, you, you throw a, a stone and you hit a gas station, right? So yeah. range anxiety is something that has you know, really plagued the EV community uh, forever. Um, I mean, when will that be 
gone? When when will that be a thing of the past? Uh, is it already in, in uh, some it, instances? I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I kind of think, you know, the Model 3s are out there in such big numbers, at least mm -hmm. on the West Coast, that yeah. I think, you know, people that maybe never even saw the movie Who Killed the Electric Car are right. now driving EVs. So right. I think, you know, we've we're kind of making the jump over that chasm between early adopters and the fast followers. Right. So um, I think people are starting to realize that the range that is available now is enough for what they need. Uh, you know, and I guess well, that it's, I the think that's with Tesla's, but I mean, another kind of just little story that I heard from um, actually the president of evolve uh, right now, he was talking to somebody at one of our chargers and um, they basically had uh, an Audi, um, you know, the e-tron and uh, the guy goes up to him. He goes, oh, I have something to tell you. He goes, uh, my, my car is, you know, coming off lease and oh, uh, I have some bad news. And he thought, oh, he's going back to, you know, a gas car or something. But he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, I'm, I'm going to get a Tesla. And he says, well, why is that bad news? He says, well, there's, there's a lot of Teslas. And uh, the, uh, you know, the Audi was maybe kind of unique. I had something that not everybody had. But he had a hard time on trips. And uh, because I think the reality right now is you have more range anxiety if, if you don't have a Tesla, which is hopefully going to change in the future. But that just seems, unless, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that, that seems to be the reality. Yeah, I, it does. But, you know, I think we're at a point, Stuart, where there is just no excuse. Right. Um, the the plug-in hybrid Jeep, is. I just read yes. it was like the best-selling plug-in hybrid I've seen a recently. Couple yeah, 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 me too. I know yeah. a guy that bought one in Arkansas. My nephew got one in Michigan. Right. So there are places where, I mean, that's the exact situation where maybe you're only driving about 20 miles a day. So most of the time you're driving on gas. But then when you do want to take that road trip and go to the national park, you've got the gas to do it. You've got right. the perfect combination. So I'd say that, you know, yeah, if Tesla is is not your thing, there's so many other choices out there. And, right. and let's face it, I, I don't know if anyone told you, but Ford F-150 is coming out oh, in yeah. electric. Yeah, That's a total game changer, as is Rivian. I mean, right. Rivian, oh, it looks so good. That Range Rover customer, yeah, they're not going right. to want to be where they are anymore, you know, so... I think that, yeah, things are going to change rather quickly, but I will say that one thing that's still going to be our challenge is the automakers are going to concentrate their investments in California and, you know, along the West Coast where they think there's an existing market. Yes. You know, I, I don't think that they're all, you know, fighting for space in Kentucky at the moment. So, no. um, yeah, it's still up to us to, this is the crazy thing. Like it's up to the EV drivers to oh, prove yeah. the demand for the product. Could you imagine if it was up to people to like, <laughs> iPhone is only going to get made if people, you know, That's show so the, funny. yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's changing because everyone, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm like, mm, it sounds kind of disingenuous when they're promoting EVs and siding with Trump, but it really feels like everybody's starting to line up. You know, Stellantis, which used to be Chrysler, yeah. Fiat Chrysler just had a huge announcement, major investments. I was just reading today that GM is investing here in California in a a new tech center in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. So that can be, you know, again, they're like really, really, um, they're turning the Titanic, but at least they're turning it. So. Right. Well, and it's interesting, like when we have these, and we have so many of these ride and drive events, tabling events, 
often we have to tell people, we're not here to sell you something. We're here to educate the public about the features and benefits of driving an electric car. And like you said, I, that was really cool. Like the whole iPhone analogy. Yeah, that that's so off the wall and so silly. Well, you know, but... I'll tell you, Stuart, you, you're talking about these driving rides. I'm setting up driving rides in California where I actually am trying to sell them a car. Right. I've got people there to educate, you know, the utilities there to talk about their right. their programs. And I've got like the state rebate people there talking about that. I've got environmental justice, like Sierra Club talking to them about that. And then we've got this driving ride area. The dealers would just straight up not show up the yeah, day of the good. event they would yep. ghost me yep. like where's shabby yeah. you know right. the people that did show up they got a lot of love and they gave a lot of test drives and they were right. really really happy but the dealers were like oh yeah you know i had a I had a chrysler pacifica plug-in hybrid minivan but i sold it last week so i don't have any inventory so i just didn't show up yeah and yeah, you kind of wonder if they're telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you're like, oh, you know, so yeah, again, it, it comes down to the drivers. And and you know what happened at that particular driving ride where nobody showed up? The people right. that showed up were all the Tesla drivers. Yes. And right. it was in a disadvantaged community, Carson, California. So mm -hmm. as a result, four people bought Model 3s from right. that event. Right. So, you know. Some people missed out because there is an appetite. People understand the cost of ownership is lower for an electric vehicle. People that have access to home charging are, you know, thinking, wow, I was spending $300 a month in gas and now I'm spending like $50 a month charging my car. That right. like pays the car payment, you know? Right. So, right. Um, yeah, gas is really expensive in California. <laughs> That's what it, it's like an equation, you know, the price of gas, the price per kilowatt. You know, how can you make the case to somebody? But they yeah, have to... money does it a lot of times. I mean, we definitely have members that aren't necessarily in, into it for the environmental stuff, but they crunch the numbers. I also I wanted to talk about how like EVs fit into the larger goal of addressing climate change, because that's, oh, that's yeah. huge. Um, we're seeing that everywhere. Well, uh, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, it's... Um the third leg of the stool for me, because yeah. first it comes to safe bike lanes and, and biking. You know, my right. husband's Dutch and we spend a lot of time in the Netherlands. Yeah. It works there. And then the second thing is efficient mass transit, you know, because the, the, getting on the 405 and the 110, even if you're in a Tesla, you're sitting there. So most right. of the time, so it's not adding more lanes to the road. So the third thing would be transitioning people from, their gas burning car into an electric car. And, you know, the thing that's so great about that is it's like a gateway because then people look at getting solar panels on their house, you right. know? And so it just starts from there. And even if you don't have access to, to do something like putting solar panels on your home, all the utilities have commitments to draw down their carbon. And so every day you drive your car, it gets cleaner as the grid gets cleaner. Right. So, um, yeah, they're, they're very, very important to addressing climate change, but you know, I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that water is super important too. I mean, we're in a drought here in California, so biodiversity and habitat restoration and all of that is, is equally as important as drawing down carbon. Well, and you mentioned something about traveling. I, I see that you mm -hmm. travel uh, relatively frequently um, to other places in the world. Um, yeah. Have you seen things on your travels that you're like, oh, wow, that's exciting. And why don't we have that here? 
um i mean the you know um yeah. it, ev space otherwise you know i usually come back from europe a little bit like why <laughs> why can't we do it this way you know yeah. one thing that's so simple is in europe it's um the ev driver carries their own cord for right. ac charging so yeah. you know so not having that liability of the j1772 cord right i mean granted it's only like three dollars of copper but they're is a potential for, you know, uh, vandalism or theft with that cord. It's like right. an ex hanging out there in remote areas, especially. And it just is another, you know, um, liability, tripping hazard, ADA accommodating, right. um, you know, all of that. People can drop the coupler and break it. Oh, mm -hmm. the chargers down, you know, so the, the way they do it in Europe where people carry their own cord for AC is awesome. And they've also got a more of an integrated payment system. You know, we keep hearing about <clears throat> roaming and interoperability agreements here in the U.S., but I think it's still kind of sketchy. And, um, you know, they seem to have figured that out in Europe. The other thing that's kind of a big factor in all of this is in Europe, their utilities are, uh, you know, like the produce production is decoupled from the grid. So okay. instead of having, you know, a utility that handles everything, there's the grid operators, and then there's the people that are producing the energy. So they're, I think it's called, you know, FastNet is owned by, I can't remember the name of it, but basically it's owned by the grid operator. So it's basically an extension of the grid and it's owned by the people that own the grid. So um, that kind of makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. And I've seen stories about hooking up to light poles for charging overnight. And uh, that's something you don't see here. That's something uh, that I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know if is possible here. I mean, we do a lot of uh, we do enough site visits that I've I've learned to like we get this question a lot. Well, can we tie into this light pole? And the answer is usually no, because yeah. the conduit isn't sized right. And just there's a host of potential problems. Yeah. And what we're talking about is, is level two or charging. And that's not going to happen with a light pole. Well, so, yeah. actually, they are doing some they are doing the Bureau of Street Lights in L.A. is doing some charging stations on their light posts. And. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons they're able to do that is LADWP is a municipal utility and they all, you know, they, they supply the electricity for that. But I think the challenge with the light post, because it's, it would be too expensive to separately meter every single light, right. they just kind of do a flat rate right. for the utilities with the, make deals with the municipal organizations that control it. So the EV charging kind of complicates that because it would increase, you know, wouldn't just be on from dark, dusk to morning, you know, it would be something where that would be in use probably 24 hours a day, that right. load. So it's a little bit tricky. And I would say that if we learned anything in LA, when you're going to embark on a project like that, it makes sense to do your bike lane master plan prior to that, because there was literally examples of LA where, you know, the EV driver was pulling that cord across the bike lane mm. to plug in their car, ready to clothesline anybody that has the right. guts to ride a bike in LA right now. Right. So, yeah. Right. Now, um, kind of getting back to adopt a charger a little bit, just curious what, uh, like the number of charging locations and number of chargers to date, do you have that, that, uh, um, hundreds of hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. 10 different <laughs> States, hundreds of, I mean, I'm putting in 108 just at the Getty center. So I'm yeah. I mean, I, I, I should like get a count because people do ask me that, but it's just something where, you know, it doesn't have 
have to be the Getty Center where I'm putting in 108 EV charging stations. It's I'm equally as happy when you know somebody reaches out to me from Saline, Michigan, where there's no EV yeah. charging, and say, "Hey, I'd like to offer this up as an adopted charger." So you know, sometimes those those little remote, faraway places are more meaningful. Right. One of the most meaningful is Gus Hess Community Park up in Levining, California. Um, in the between like Mammoth and Reno, it's the Eastern gateway to the Sierra and uh, Yosemite. And Lisa Rosen sponsored some EV charging stations to honor her son, William Kortoff, uh-huh. who was my buddy and helped helped us get adopted charger started. He passed away, unfortunately, in a motorcycle accident. So, you know, Lisa's really committed to putting EV charging stations out in these remote locations to enable EV road trips. And I just get so much love out of that. People check in and send me great pictures and really nice notes. And, you know, that makes my day. And when well, we it comes have, down to it, yeah. It's yeah, we have the, the couple uh, stations here in Berea as well. Yeah. Uh, that, it was in his memory. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love great. that one. That's yeah. so what I, you know, just to see people in uniform driving electric vehicles, you know, I look up to those people. So for me, the fact that they're endorsing this new technology, that's so awesome. It's so helpful to help change people's minds and change the perception that, you know, EVs are not just golf carts. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah the, the Berea police, I mean, and um, you know, those, I, I mean, you know, this nothing you don't know already, but it's, it's just so wonderful to actually see it how these things can snowball or start to snowball where um, we did an event in London, Kentucky, which is further out. And um, it was basically through a rotary club and they wanted me to speak and it just turned into an event and a big event. And we had the Berea police brought a cruiser, a Tesla model three. And I took a photo. There's the guy with a London police on the back of his, you know, his uniform checking out the Berea police, you know, Tesla cruiser. And I think that's how it happens. You know, yes. uh, I can talk to them till, you know, I'm blue in the face, but here they're talking about the officer that that's driving this thing. They know why they have it. Um, they know the real information. It's not, you know, a lot of people think these Teslas are still, you know, hundred thousand plus vehicles, you know? Yeah. Um, and they can, you know, they, they may or may not, decide to pull the trigger on electric cars right now. Um, But that's how it starts, you know. Exactly. And, you know, even if people are like, you know what, I'm going to hold off on getting a new car. You know, I, what I want right now, that pickup truck isn't available, but I'm not going to go putting my money down on another gas guzzler. I'm going to commit to my next car's electric, you know, and if everybody had that attitude, we would be one generation away from, (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. electric cars ruling the roads. So, right. yeah, it's really important the work you're doing, Stuart. And I just I can't even thank you enough for showing up every day and promoting EVs in the way you do. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I, I've noticed, I mean, I don't know, maybe just Calif- California is different, but like living a sustainable life beyond EVs, beyond, you know, our work that we're doing in this space. How does how does that kind of evolve? Um, yeah. I know you do, you do a bunch of stuff with yoga, mm-hmm. um, you know. Well, for me, it, it does come from, you know, how you're living your life. It's your everyday decisions. And for me, 
you know, I'm promoting what I'm believing, believe in, and right. I'm supporting the places that are special to me. You know, for me, it, it's going to Leo Creole State Beach. It's going to Yosemite, all these amazing places that make me feel connected with my cause again. You know, right. when you're when you're in downtown LA, pounding pavement, sometimes you kind of lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing. But when you go out and you trug, hug a tree at Muir Woods, <laughs> it, it, it's real. Right. So, you know, for me, it's just what I'm doing with Adopted Charger is an extension of, you know, my philosophy and how I want to live my life. And and I also, you know, I don't want to be in a competitive situation and I don't want to be, you know, the super consumer ha- making more money so I can buy more things. Right. I want to be, you know, connecting with people that are promoting regenerative agriculture and people that are trying to restore watersheds and people that are trying to save endangered species and kind of. It, I really identify myself more as a nonprofit with within you know NRDC, um, Sierra Club, Environment California, those types of organizations than like a Charge Point, Green Lots, right. EVSP. You know, I really feel like what I'm doing is more you know promoting why we're doing it, <laughs> why we all need to care. Right. So, What's what's like the next big thing? I mean, do you have any new initiatives on the horizon? Uh, what do you see as kind of happening, you know, relative near term? You know, there's a lot going on. Well, there is a lot going on. And I want to say, like, dude, check it out. This is what's <laughs> going on. But I can't because okay. uh, it's embargoed information. So you'll oh. just have to have me back in about six months so <laughs> that I can be, you know, scream it from the rooftops. But okay. I finally feel like adopt a charger is in a place where people are noticing, you know, all the hard work I've done for the past 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you know what? 11 years later, charge point still isn't making a profit. But 11 years later, what you're doing still works. Nobody's complaining. A lot of the original chargers that I installed are still there 10 years later. That's good old Clipper Creek. So I think people now are finally starting to listen to, there's another way to do it. Right. Well, yeah, promise me that when uh, it's not embargoed anymore, that uh, we'll get the scoop if you would. (laughs) Okay, Sure. I'd love that. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to tell you. Yeah. And I love the idea of continuing the podcast. I mean, this has sort of been a a COVID experiment for me. And, um, you know, I was uh, kind of egged on by my wife and and, uh, my daughter um, to do this. And now I'm happy I did uh, because it's getting out to people and it's getting out to a wide range of people in a wide geographic area. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm hoping that it does some good. I, I mean, we had Ed Begley Jr. on, which was like a dream come true for me. Yeah, I'm such a fan of him. Uh, such not, a nice man. Yeah, He's... I mean, I'm I'm a fan of his. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of TV and movies and stuff. I've seen obviously stuff he's been in, but um, you know, just how genuine he is and how oh, yeah. uh, much a pioneer he is. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I had him on just before Earth Day that maybe he would come on again and kind of update us and and talk again. But I like the idea of not only having new guests on, but but having repeat guests, which is yeah. which is kind of cool. 
So well, I, I'm happy to anytime, Stuart. Thank you so much for having me today. And yeah. yeah, I look forward to the story unfolding and being able to bring everybody into the loop and yeah, your yeah. podcast. And I want to say that your podcast is awesome and, and do oh, keep you. it up because it's hard to know where to go for information and having these like informal conversations is a great way for people to, to kind of learn about it. And right. it's like, you know, real talk, you know? So, um, yeah, I think people are hungry for the information and I think your EV universe is a great resource for those people that, you know, want to find out what's it like, what's it all about. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else that I, uh, that you want to talk about or. Well, I would love for people to subscribe to my newsletter. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm trying to get better about every month, sending out an email blast to adopt a charger supporters. So if okay. you want to go on my website and subscribe to the newsletter, you can follow adopt a charger on Twitter, Facebook, I'm not great about all the social media, but I also have Instagram and please, please, please check in on PlugShare. The thing that's so awesome about PlugShare is it's a way for the EV driving community to communicate and to talk about what their needs are. Hey, I'll be here for two hours and this charger will be available. People put in notes like my charge ports open. Can you please plug me in when you're done? Or even to report problems. When when you check in at any of the adopted charger locations, I get an immediate email. And um, if there's a problem, I can have somebody on it in a minute, you know, so definitely check in on PlugShare. And it's adoptacharger.org if they want to go to the website. Yes, it is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, absolute, absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, Thank you for spending the time. Yeah, went by quick. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, and share, as that's the only way we can continue to grow. Now you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash EVU. Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.